Well, I am so glad that you're here today. I want you to turn your Bibles to James chapter 3. And uh, while, while, you're, while you're turning there, man, it's just been a, a busy time. I wasn't even, I mean, I was back there, but I didn't hear the announcement, so I don't know if he mentioned or not. But uh, tonight we got Jason Coppin, who's president of Indian Bible College, going to be at West Park, uh, 6 p.m. We're going to have a big barbecue. Just bring a side there. You know, the missions team's providing the meat. We've got that. Our, we've got a, our great students' missions team just left for New Mexico today, and I'm excited about how God's going to use them. And, I, man, I was just, I was looking at my calendar, because I, I've ha- I have this myth that I buy into every year. And here's the myth. Man, you know what? Summer is here and things are going to finally slow down. Are you kidding me? Yeah, right. That hasn't been the case, but it's a good, busy, and I love what God is doing. Man, it's so good to see so many of you here. And I've got a question because I want to make sure I understand, uh, you know, the relevancy of my message today. How many of you uh, would indicate with an upraised hand um, that at some point in your life, your mouth has got you into trouble? Let me see your hand. Oh man, this is going to be such a relevant message. This is amazing. We're going to jump in because I'm here to tell you that um, I am the king of the big mouth. Um, My mouth, you know, used to get me in trouble all the time. And my, my mom would tell me, you know, the Lord wants to use your mouth, but right now the devil's got control. And, and that's, you know, listen, been there, been there. But I'm, I'm, we're, we're going to be jumping into James and looking at, at the power, at the power of words. Now, now James is such a fantastic practical uh, book of the Bible. In fact, if you study through scripture, there's a lot of references to the power of words, the, the tool that God has given us. In fact, the gospel is the good news. Good news is meant to be spoken. It's almost like every part of this has to do with words. But, but Proverbs, a book in the Old Testament, says a lot about words, and it's a book of wisdom. But many scholars look at James as, as if there's a sister book to Proverbs in the New Testament, it would be James. And in James, there's a lot, there's a lot to be said about the power of the tongue. And so over the, the next few weeks, James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12 are going to be the launch pad for this series. We're going to keep coming back because there is so much, so much good here. And so several years ago, I got the idea for this. Um, I was listening to a, mess, a message. Uh, I don't know if any of you have heard a guy by the name of Dr. Tony Evans. Great, great speaker. And sometimes when I'm in the car, I just turn on the radio and he happened to be speaking. And, and he went through, it's, it's a message series. Uh, and the, whole, the theme of the, the message was watch your mouth. And, and I've got this sermon folder that I'm like, oh man, that's good. Oh, I like that. And, and so I, I, I'm like, I am just stealing that idea. And, and so I stuck it in there like in 2016 or 2017. And, and last year, as Pastor Jason, Pastor Edgar and I were planning out where God was, was going to take us in, in our, our, our teaching, I, I, I was going through my sermon folder and came across this. I'm like, oh man, this is so relevant. And, and, and probably the reason it was so relevant, it was like, the, like during election season. You remember like Facebook and election season? That was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Mm, that was a walk in the, the park. And, and so I'm like, you know what? We're throwing this into the mix. And so here we are. We're going to jump in, and I'm just going to tell you right up front that this, this series is going to be fun in some ways because we can all identify, and you're like, oh, man, as much as I hate to admit it, that is me. Oh, man. But then on the other hand, I, I'll be honest that that 
it, this is, this is going to be some, some cutting truth in the sense that I believe God wants to open our eyes to the power that he's given us when it comes to the words that we speak. So here we go. Watch your mouth. We're going to jump into James chapter 3. I want you to look at, at verse 1, and, and I want you to keep your Bibles open because I'm going to be, you know, we'll, we'll read, break it down a little bit, and we're going to keep going. But, but verse 1, James chapter 3, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Now I want to pause here because we're going to see that he's talking to more than just teachers, but, but this very first verse what he's, already, what he's already introducing to us is what really is going to be the big point, not just of my message today, but this entire series. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to write down the big point. And, and it's just simply this. Your words matter. My words matter. Your words matter. Our words matter. Now, he starts off by, by, by saying something he's specifically talking about, teaching specifically in a spiritual sense. There is a higher standard for, for those who, if you're here today and you, you lead a life group, you lead a Bible study, maybe you're discipling someone. It is incredible that God has given you, given us these opportunities. But he's saying, don't desire it just because you want to have like this you know, this reputation gal, that, that's a guy you go to for Bible answers. He's the Bible man. Now, don't, don't do that for pride reasons or so you feel better about yourself. No, don't, don't desire for that because when God is asking us, giving us the opportunities to use our words for him, he's actually going to judge us for how we do that. And so here's a little truth that we don't talk about a, a lot, and, and that is that, that God is now and will judge us. You're like, well, hold on a second. You just came through Romans, man. You just hit Romans 8.1 last week. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And that's exactly right. There is no condemnation from the law. If we are in Christ, we are eternally his, and we can thank God for that. But there's a difference between our definition of judgment being just condemnation. Because another, uh, another de definition of judgment is evaluation. And there's a big difference between condemnation and evaluation. Like, just think of this in a, in a it comes to parenting. So, like, I've, I've got three kids, Trey, Cassidy, and Cole. And so they're all, you know, different ages, all that. My kids are very secure in the fact that they're my kids. It's, like, it's not like Lori and I are going to disown them. I mean, I've been tempted at times, but then just know it's, it's not, it's not going to happen. They're safe. They know that their parents love them. And so, so here's the thing. There's not condemnation from that standpoint, but there is evaluation of their behavior. Because, I mean, we're very, you know, we're very clear about, hey, here, here, are, the, here are the rules of the home. Here are the expectations of how we live. Here are our expectations of you as kids. But let's be honest, I hold Trey, who's my oldest, to a higher level than I do Cole. And Cole, if you're listening to this, you're still held to a level. Hang with me. But, but the reality is Trey, you know, he's in college, going to be a junior in college. He, he, has, he has more experience. He should be more mature my, my expectations, so there, there's an evaluation of where you're at. And, and so, you know, because of that, that's why we discipline our kids at times. 
That's why there is punishment because we evaluate and you're like, no, no. Listen, we've given you this. We've, we've said, here's, here's what we want you to do. We want to keep you. These are guardrails. Stay here. Do you get, you get what I'm talking about? Difference between condemnation like, oh, God is through with me. He hates me and all that sort of thing. Difference between condemnation and evaluation. Evaluation is just saying, hey, listen, I've given you this. Now, because I've given you this to steward, I'm going to hold you accountable for how you steward this. This is what Jesus is talking about in Luke chapter 12. He tells this, this story uh, about a, a rich guy that goes on a trip. And there's three, three of his servants. He, inv- he, he says, while I'm gone, I want you to take this, the, this amount of money. I want you to invest to take care of this. And, and so he comes back, and, and, and based on how they stewarded what he gave them, he makes an evaluation. And Jesus sums up the whole story. I'm not going to tell you the whole parable. But he sums it up in, in verse 40, 48 of, of chapter 12 when he says, Every one to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. And so this is sobering when we talk about our words matter. God has given us words. He's given us opportunities. If we're, if we're his children, he has given us opportunities. And, and there is an assessment, and there's going to be rewards based on how we stewarded what we were given. But I, I want to keep on reading. I don't want to get bogged down there. Verse 2, we keep reading. James says, we all stumble in many ways. Yeah, we get that. And, but I want you to catch, man, catch the second part of, of verse 2. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. And I'm going to come back and, and track that down. That is huge. Verse 2 is huge. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. So what we're seeing here, keep your Bibles open. We're going to finish this out. But James is saying that there is great power in the tongue. So let me illustrate this. Before 1866, if you wanted to uh, take, a, take a road, you know, those mountains, you got to take a, a road along the side uh, of, of a mountain, or you need, you know, for instance, when they were building the railroad, if they had to get from here to there, there were obstacles in the way. To blow through things, you usually had one of two options, gunpowder or nitroglycerin. Now, they both had their drawbacks. With gunpowder alone, it didn't have as much power as nitroglycerin did. But the issue with nitroglycerin is that, man, it was very fragile. And, I mean, all it took was, you know, a little jiggling or agitating it in the transportation, and bad things happened. So, so for instance, if you research prior to 1866, there is a record of, of hundreds, if not thousands, of construction workers who were killed by nitroglycerin not when they were using it, merely when they were transporting it. It was so dangerous. In fact, the, the brother of, of a guy that I want to introduce you to this morning at, was, was killed when he was transporting nitroglycerin. And so this man, he was just obsessed with how can we make this more safe? 
And so he came up with, with a way to, to combine nitroglycerin with a stabilizer, making it, uh, you know, making it something that could be managed that would not be uh, you know, as fragile or, or you know, explosive uh, when you're transporting and all of that sort of thing. The guy's name who came up with this, his name was Alfred Nobel. Literally, he transformed. It was uh, this, this thing that he called dynamite was one of the, the, the huge civilization-altering inventions of the mid-1800s. It had a big part to do with, with our ability to grow, to, to tie the eastern part of the U.S. to the western part of the U.S., Dynamite was, was used time and time again to, to, get the, to, to, you know, to get trains from one side of the country to the other. There, there was a lot of great good that it was used for, but, but, but what you got to understand, Alfred Nobel, he had developed this because he wanted to help and, and keep from there being more damage. But what he had done when he came up with this idea for dynamite was he had unknowingly also unleashed one of the most destructive weapons ever, in fact, World War I, um, dynamite played a massive role in literally decimating troops and, and that sort of thing. And it's interesting because Alfred Nobel, who had created this substance that could be used for great good, to his chagrin, realized that a tool that could be used for great good because of its power, could also be used in the wrong hands for great evil. And when he died, he was a very, very rich man because of his invention. He left his legacy in the form of something. It was a, it was a reward that would be given out every year to someone who sought peace. It was, it's called the Nobel Peace Prize. And many people believe that the reason he established this Nobel Peace Prize was in some way to, to make up, because he was, he was so burdened and guilty, feeling like he was part of the destruction of so many people. I use this as an illustration. The tongue is like dynamite. If you will, it's the, the, the dynamite's in your mouth. Used constructively, there is incredible good that can come from this used destructively, there is literally eternal damage that can happen with the gift of words, the gift of the tongue that God has given us. You see, our words matter. And God has given us this tool that can, that can either be used to construct or, or to destroy. And there are three, three things that I want us to understand about this power that he has given us. And, and today, I'm just going to tell you right now, this is going to be a 30,000-foot view. This is an introductory. I'm laying the foundation for where we're going. So you're going to want to come back next week as we dive into this. But, but I, I want to look at, at three things that are very, very true as we begin this series. And the first one is this. Based on what we've read here in James, your tongue has the power to direct life. Look at this. We all stumble in many ways, he says in verse 2. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. And I, I want you to, to grasp what he's, what this claim that James is making. If you control your mouth, the rest of you will follow. A lot of times we look at, at sins as 
when we talk about sins of the flesh, it's sins of what we do with our hands, where we go, what we ingest, whatever the case happens to be. But there is something powerful about this. Usually, a person with an undisciplined tongue, a tongue that is not under the lordship of Jesus Christ, is usually a person who, who the rest of their life is undisciplined as well. And what he's saying is, is if this, this, this tongue, you see, when we talk about the lordship of Christ, we, we, talk, you know, we think of this in a spiritual sense. You know, I give my body to the Lord. I've given myself to the Lord. Well, it includes your tongue. And understanding this is, is key. This is, this is very, very critical because what I know is that, man, we've all made mistakes. This week, everyone, like some of you probably said something stupid on your way to church, right? I mean, we've all, we've all been there. But the reality, the reality is this. If you and I will discover the secret of rightly ruling our mouth, we, under, thanks to the, 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 the power of Christ, can also discover the ability to rightly ruling our actions as well. And this is what James is saying is in, in, in chapter 1, you know, if you, if you look back at chapter 1 and verse 26, there, there, there are, he says there are ways that we can know whether or not we really have the goods or not. And, and it's this, how, how we care for the poor, how we speak, and how we live uh, as distinct Christians, distinct from the world. In fact, if you look at chapter 2, it talks about how we, you know, the justice for poor and all of that, it takes care of that. Chapter 3 talks about the mouth. Chapter 4 to the end talks about what it looks like to live distinct Christian lives, uh, you know, in the, in, in the face of an evil world. But, but here's, here's what he says in, in verse 26, and I think this is important. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Worthless. And this, I'm, I'm going to step on some toes in this series. I'm just going to tell you right now. And just so you know, I'll be like trampling on my own toes as well. We're in this together. But parents, you have the power through your words to be used by God to help direct the course of your kids' lives. Spouses, you have the ability through the words you use, thanks to the power of Christ in you, to help direct the lives of your spouse. We are either using our words for good, or we are using our words as weapons. You know, he uses two analogies here. He uses, you know, the, the bit in the, in the mouth of a horse. He uses the, the rudder for a ship. I was, it was, I was going through this. I was thinking about uh, a few years ago, I was in Mexico. We'd, we'd taken a cruise, and uh, we decided, like a whole big group of us, decided that we were going to do one of those excursions. And I thought for sure, you know, this is going to be the great thing. Lori and I are together. It's going to be a romantic, here's the deal, a romantic horse ride uh, on, the, on the beach of Mazatlan. I'm like, this is going to be amazing. Dude, I'm going to tell you, that is like not romantic. I'm just telling you right now. Like, oh, that would be the most, no, it's not. I'm just telling you. I, Lori might have at one point dreamed of like having her white knight on a horse or whatever. She took one look at me like, yeah, I don't think so. No, we're not going down that road. Okay, so, so but we decided we were going to do this. So they, they had us meet at 
they had us meet at a, like a coffee plantation. We picked up the horses. And the, the person that was going to be our guide said, hey, um, I forgot to ask when you guys had filled out all the forms and everything if any of you had ridden horses before. They said, most of them are easy. And like I had a guy that was, he was like the tallest guy in our group. He's like, listen, I've never ridden a horse before. I want the slowest, most easygoing horse that, that you, you've ever seen. And they literally gave him a pony. I kid you not, his feet, <laughs> drug grooves in the sand. And you think, I'm, you think I'm making this up? I am not making this up. He still curses about this that day. But anyway, uh, so they asked this question. They said, we have two horses that are very spirited. They said, is there any of you that has, has experience riding horses? And dude, like my mind and my body don't always line up. And like my hand was up and I wouldn't even think. And I'm like, why is my hand out? And she said, like, okay, great. You have this horse. And so she, she gave me and another girl in our party these horses. And, and listen, we started out and she was not lying. Like my, my horse was like ready to get up and go. Like it, it didn't know that uh, we weren't in the Kentucky Derby. It was ready to go. So, so we start out and like everybody else has these like really mellow horses, my friends in the back with a little pony. And, and we're, we're just like, they're going slow. And I, I am... You know, has the, I'm, I'm just pulling the reins, and man, the reins are doing a great job. I'm able to just hold the, the horse in check. And so, like, for the first, I don't know how far we gone, maybe a mile or so, you know, just, we just have this nice, easy canter. But the whole, t you know, my, my horse and this other girl, her horse, they're just, they're, their heads are moving forward. They really want to go. And so, Lori was beside me, and she had, you know, a nice little mare and just really docile. And, and so I said, hey, I know this is supposed to be like a date thing, but do you mind if I just, I want to see what this horse can do. <laughs> She's like, it's your funeral. And so, uh, <laughs> no, she didn't say that. And so I, I'm like, hey, let, let's just see what happens. So I turned to the girl, I said, hey, let's just go. And so we, we hit the rings. And I don't know like what you call it when horses, I, I know the gallop, but I, I don't know much about horses at all. I don't know what, we just took off like her shot off a cannon. That's all I'm saying. We were just like running and I'm, it was amazing. The, the, the wind was blowing through my, my head and it was, it literally was, it was like this incredible moment. And, but here was the thing, my, the, the girl that was with me, her horse was a beast, man. Just an amazing horse. And it got a little bit ahead of me. And what I noticed freaked me out. Okay. So I, I look over and the strap there was something wrong with the strap that they, they had tied the saddle onto and, and there, there was a problem with it and it was splitting. I'm watching the leather, it's parting. And I tried to yell, Julianne, your saddle's gonna come off. She could not hear me. She's just, you know, going for it. And so I did something that, you know, I've like seen in movies, but I'm like, I'm gonna see what can happen. So I like, man, I, I dig, you know, I dig my, I kick the side of the horse just to get this thing going. And, and then with the bit, I pulled the bit over. By this point, Julianne's figured out, okay, we got an issue. Her saddle is starting to shift. And, and so right now, she has dropped the reins because she's holding onto the mane. And, and listen, I'm telling, when I say, I'm not, I am not exaggerating this. I'm scared to death. And so, so I, I catch up, I pull the, uh, you know, I pull on the, the you know, the, the reins. I get in, I literally leaned over, grab, I said, grab, grab my arm, picked her up, dropped her, dropped her down. The horse just took off running. And I got down, I'm like, I am a hero. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> I'm a hero. 
So, so we, chase, we chase down the, the horse and we come back and she's shaking and literally I'm, I'm shaking as well. And then like internally, I'm like, you know, I probably could try out for Snake River Stampede or something like that. And, and, and then, then, you know, it, it, it just the whole weight of what just happened hits me. And I, I'm just, we're freaked out. The guide who was way back, she is just going nuts. I'm going to kill somebody, you know, well, yeah, somebody about died right here. Long, long story short, long story short, I appreciated the power of the bit in the mouth of the horse when we were at a canter. But when there was an emergency, I am so thankful that in a moment where I could not do anything, that there was, there was actually a response to the pull. The bit was there for a purpose. And it's interesting because the horse... The entire horse follows where the mouth is led. This is what James is saying. This is what, this is what he is saying. The power behind the bit will many times, especially in moments of crisis or in, in moments in, in which we have the ability to speak life or death, it will either be under the influence of the Holy Spirit or it'll be under the influence of the power of hell. And guys, the sad thing is, even within faith communities, what I have seen far too often is we live a profession and we, we profess a faith that we do not speak. You see, there is power in the tongue. By it, we can direct lives our lives. We can provide direction to the lives of others. Let me, keep, let me keep on moving. There's a second power that I see here, and that's this. Your tongue also has the power to damage life, to, to damage life. Look at the end of verse 5. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, sustaining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. Here we go. Set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, and here, here's the hypocrisy that he just calls out. We're going to hit this later. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Your tongue has the power to damage life. One single word can be a spark, James says, that starts a great fire. You know, if, if you remember from history, remember the whole thing of the great Chicago fire? Remember that? It was 1871, I think. Um, poor Catherine O'Leary. She is forever going to be tied to her stupid cow. If you'll know the story, her cow kicked over a lantern. Now, it might have been Catherine that put the lantern there, so I don't know. But long story short, it set some hay on fire. The hay set the barn on fire. The wind was blowing like crazy that night in Chicago. 
the fire from the barn caught other buildings on fire. By the time it was all said and done, over 100,000 people were homeless. There were about, uh, what was it, uh, like 7,000 or so structures that had been destroyed. There were 300 people that had left, that had lost their lives, all from a lantern being kicked over. And James is talking about something here that is powerful. If we understood that our words are sparks, it would change perhaps the way we use them. If we would buy into this claim that James was making, we would understand the great power that we have. Because you don't, you don't have to kill a person physically to take their life, if you will. You can do it with your words. Many times it's, it's riots. They start with words. As a pastor, I found out that divorces begin with words. I found out that great family dysfunction, it begins with words. Our tongue has the power to damage life. And I wonder how often we've used our tongue to flippantly just voice how we feel. Caution to the wind, I have a right to say whatever I want to say. Forgetting that our tongue is an instrument like dynamite that can be used for great good or for destructive force. But the good news of this, and this is where I'm going to close, is our, our tongue not only has the power to direct life and to damage life, but this is, man, where I want us to, to, to end and, and really what's going to underscore where we're going over the next few weeks. Your tongue, my tongue, has the power to determine life. Think about this. How did God create the world? He spoke. It wasn't like he had like some divine toolbox like, hmm, let's see, I got to make me a lion here. What I got in the toolbox there? Yeah, I'm going to put some trim, I'm going to make some trees. Let me find some tree glue. No, he spoke all that is into existence. And I love that in John chapter one, that under the, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the apostle John describes Jesus, how? In chapter one. He describes him as the Word. He, he says that, that, that the Word was God. The Word was with God. He talks about the fact that the Word came in and dwelt with us. There is this association of, of God himself with the Word. Words matter to God. It's, it's a tool that God has used. We're made in the likeness of God. He has given us words and our words matter. Our tongue has the power to determine life. And I, I'm going to make a, a bold claim. Just as God spoke worlds into existence, you and I have the ability to speak life. We have the ability, church, listen to me, to speak life into others. Proverbs, the Proverbs writer Solomon said this in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Listen, God has created us with this, and our words matter. Guys, I would not be standing here if it wasn't for men and women of God who use their words over my life. I'll never forget as a couple. You don't know them, Monty and Connie Stetler. Some of you watching online might know them. They were my youth pastor for several years. Love Monty and Connie. Monty, when we're driving around town, I just hang out with this guy as a 13-year-old, 14-year-old. He was speaking into my life, speaking into my life, speaking into my life. 
But see, words, words, the, the words that breathe life aren't just words that affirm and encourage. Sometimes they're words that challenge the wrong that's in our lives. I, I'll, I'll never forget at the age of, I think I was 18, Monty and Connie called me. They said, hey, why don't you come over to your house for supper? I'm like, oh, that's cool. Come over for supper, had supper. And they said, hey, let's go to the living room. And that was not cool. Because Monty and Connie loved me enough to speak life into me. They challenged the road that I was going down because I was going down a bad road. They challenged me. They, and, and, and what they did, and, and when they challenged me, they did it with grace and love, but they did it firmly. And they said, here's who God's created you to be, and you're not that. And though in that moment it did not lead to my instant repentance, God used that as a pivotal moment, pivotal moment, moment that I could look back to. It was a time God, God used it to, to help lead to my repentance. I'll never forget a, a little guy by the name of Garen Wolf. That was my professor, my music professor in college. Man, I, I, was always, I always felt overwhelmed. I went there not playing, you know, piano. I didn't read music much or whatever. So I felt like I was, everybody was always ahead of me. And I, I was gutting it out, working my tail off. For the first two years, he didn't even know my name. I, I played, the, I played the, the kettle drums, the timpani for the orchestra. So he just called me, hey, timpani. That was my name for like two years. But he... He became my, my vocal instructor, and man, for two years and then for several years after that, this little giant of a man spoke into my life. He challenged me. He pushed me. He, he kicked my tail. He, he, but, but here's what he did. He breathed life, and he did it through his words. I'll never forget standing on the, on the front steps of a of a house in Cincinnati, I, I, I'd taken one of my first ministry positions and I was beat up. I was ready to quit ministry. I was, I was discouraged. I'd flown back. I was, I was meeting with him and I said, man, I'm, I'm just ready to walk away. This is, this is stupid. I said, I love God, but I hate the people of God. You've been there. And I remember him stopping me and he said, when you, when you envision your future, what's it look like? And I remember, I'm like, a, I don't know. I, I, tried to, I tried to come up with something, and he said, I just I want to stop you. For the next several minutes, he said, let me tell you what I see in you. And he gave me a vision that I, I hadn't had yet. God, in that moment, used his words to light a fire. And when several years later, God called me to come here as pastor, it literally was a fulfillment of a vision that was spoken over me years years prior. Listen to me, church. I'm, I'm only one example. If I passed a mic around, so many of you could share stories on both ends, how words can damage life, but also how words can give life. And so church, as we leave here today, we're just starting this series, but I want to be very practical in my application. We can either use our words to save a life or we can use our words to start a fire of destruction because I'm convinced whoever controls the tongue controls the future. We're either living under the influence of God and our mouths are his or our mouths belong, belong we think to ourselves, but they actually belong to the enemy. And so what I want you to do, if you guys have a smartphone, I want you guys to dig out your smartphone, Okay. And so, like, if you don't do this, you're, gonna, you're just going to forget. I'm going to give you, like, a really, really practical application that we're going to do here, okay? Here's, here's what I want you to do. That usually on your phone, there's a Reminders app. Like, I have the iPhone, which is, like, the best phone ever. Anyway, uh, 
Like if you open up the Re- Reminders app, um, you know, you can set the time, the date. What I want you to do is I want you to, to, to hit new reminder. If you're on an Android, it might take you a while. Just, we'll, we'll wait. Um, I want you to go ahead and, sorry, I'll hear about that later. Um, uh, new reminder for the subject, I want you to put speak life. Just type in speak life. Okay. And then, it'll, you know, usually you can set the date and the time. Uh, pick a time, uh, like earlier in the day. Like if you wake up at, at 7, you know, put like 10 after 7. If you wake up at 5, 10 after 5, something like that. And, um, and then I, I want you to set it to repeat every single day this week. Okay, you can usually put a start date, end date. Okay, some of you might want to just put this ongoing. Okay, so we got Speak Life. Here's what I want you to do. This is going to send you a little reminder every single morning. Okay, we're going to be very practical about this. And what, what I want you to do when this reminder shows up, there, there, are, there are a few things I want you to ask yourself. First of all, I want you to ask yourself the question, um, what, what are the people who are close to me hearing? What are the people close to me hearing from me? I want you to just assess your words. If, God, if God's assessing our words, why, why in the world wouldn't we do it as well? Let's assess the words. We're going to dedicate them to him. Then what I want you to do is I want you to specifically pray as you begin your day. God, Help my words matter today. Use my words for your glory. Give me the opportunity to encourage someone, to, to affirm someone, to breathe life into someone, whatever that looks like. Circumstances will be different, okay? And then what, I, what I'm going to challenge you to do every day this week, I want you to, to speak into life, to look for at least two opportunities, whether you text them, call them, speak to them, two people, every day that you're going to affirm. And it cannot be the same two people every single day. Like you, some of you are like, yeah, I got that. My, my wife and my son. Nope, doesn't count. You can do them one day. Can't do it every day. What I want you to do, I want us to witness for ourselves this week the power that our words have. Here's what I know. When you do this, as you're going to reach out to somebody, it's probably going to come from out of the blue. You're going to see the power that your words make. And what you're not going to know is the rest of the story. You might not know this week the rest of the story that's going to happen because you chose to speak life. Listen, God has given us our words. Our words can direct life. Our tongue has the power to damage life. Our words have the power to give life, to determine life. Let's use our words wisely. So Father, over this series, I'm asking for you to do a work in your church. Change us. May every part of us be submitted to your lordship, including our mouth. And as you use the mouths of your people, I'm praying that we would be able to see an impact in our families. We would be able to see the, the, the tangible results in, in, in the people that we work with or we go to school with or, or we interact with on a, on a daily or weekly basis. Dear God, I pray that we would understand the power you have given us in the tongue and that it would be submitted to you. And so, Father, for the work you're going to do in your people this week, I'm going to Thank you in advance, believing that we haven't seen anything yet, that the best is yet to come. And I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and all God's people said, hey, thanks for being here today. Don't forget about the barbecue tonight at 6 p.m. West Park. Have a great day. We'll see you next week.